whom the Holy Ghost hath from time to time raised and stirred up in the church of God, something to work against the bishop of Rome, to weaken the pernicious superstition of the friars, and to vanquish and overthrow the great errors which daily did grow and prevail in the world, yet notwithstanding, for so much as they are not many in number, neither very famous or notable, we will begin with the story of John Whitcliffe, at whose time this furious fire of persecution seemed to take his first original and beginning. Through God's providence stepped forth into the arena the valiant champion of the truth, John Whitcliffe, our countryman, whom the Lord raised up here in England to detect more fully and amply the poison of the Pope's doctrine and false religion. Whitcliffe, being the public reader of divinity in the University of Oxford, was, for the rude time wherein he lived, famously reputed for a great clerk, a deep schoolman, and no less expert in all kinds of philosophy, the which doth not only appear by his own most famous and learned writings, but also by the confession of Walden, his most cruel and bitter enemy, who in a certain epistle written unto Pope Martin V, saith, that he was wonderfully astonished at his most strong arguments, with the places of authority which he had gathered, and with the vehemency and force of his reasons. It appeareth that this Wycliffe flourished about A.D. 1371, Edward III reigning in England. This is out of all doubt, that at what time all the world was in most desperate and vile estate, and the lamentable ignorance and darkness of God's truth had overshadowed the whole earth. This man stepped forth like a valiant champion, unto whom that may justly be applied, which is spoken of one Simon, the son of Onias, even as the morning star being in the midst of a cloud, and as the moon being full in her course, and as the bright beams of the sun, so doth he shine and glister in the temple and church of God. In these days the whole state of religion was depraved and corrupted. The name only of Christ remained amongst Christians, but his true and lively doctrine was as far unknown to the most part as his name was common to all men. As touching faith, consolation, the end and use of the law, the office of Christ, our impotency and weakness, the Holy Ghost, the greatness and strength of sin, true works, grace and free justification by faith, the liberty of a Christian man, there was almost no mention. The world, forsaking the lively power of God's spiritual word, was altogether led and blinded with outward ceremonies and human traditions. In these was all the hope of obtaining salvation fully fixed, insomuch that scarcely any other thing was seen in the temples or churches, taught or spoken of in sermons, or finally intended or gone about in their whole life, but only heaping up of certain shadowy ceremonies upon ceremonies, neither was there any end of this their heaping. The church did fall into all kind of extreme tyranny, whereas the poverty and simplicity of Christ were changed into cruelty and abomination of life. With how many bonds and snares of ceremonies were the consciences of men, redeemed by Christ to liberty, ensnared and snarled? The Christian people were wholly carried away, as it were, by the nose, with mere decrees and constitutions of men, even whether it pleased the bishops to lead them, and not as Christ's will did direct them. The simple and unlearned people, being far from all knowledge of the Holy Scripture, 
thought it quite enough for them to know only those things which were delivered them by their pastors, and they, on the other part, taught in a manner nothing else but such things as came forth of the court of Rome, whereof the most part tended to the profit of their order more than to the glory of Christ. What time there seemed to be no spark of pure doctrine remaining, this aforesaid Wycliffe, by God's providence, sprang up, through whom the Lord would first...